Anybody who's ever made a road trip has heard it a thousand times, and may even said it yourself when you were a kid. It is, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Today, that's the question on Habakkuk's complaint. And Habakkuk's got a complaint that makes Portnoy's look like nothing. His complaint is, oh dear, Lord, how long? How long? You know, I'm, I'm crying out for help, but you don't listen to me. I, 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 I cry to you in, in violence instead. You, you don't heed me. Why must I look on misery? You know, we can almost hear the Beatles in the background singing, My sweet Lord, my sweet Lord. I want to see you, I know you, but it takes so long. Why so long? And, and what takes so long? I think what takes so long is for us to uh, become aware that whatever we are seeking is being heard and responded to. And sometimes we think that we are speaking in the wind. I think personally when we ask for health or we ask for uh, whatever it is, what our needs may be, we expect some kind of a, a response on the the. the on the personal level, on the human level, on my level. But there's another level too, there's a macro level. And what seems to take so long, there's a cosmic level, is the coming of the kingdom. Why does God seem to tarry? Why does it seem that the kingdom which is promised to come is not yet here? You know, when Jesus walked the face of the earth, he said the kingdom of God's at hand. And we know that, that, that the early church people expected the second coming to be any moment now. Paul expected it right away, but it, it didn't come, and it didn't come, and we're still waiting 2,000 years waiting for the fullness of the kingdom. And I think if we can understand that or take a little bit of look at that as how we fit into this great picture, maybe we can understand then clearly a little bit how my little personal kingdom, my personal life, is in, enfolded in it, is part of in it. Now we know that there are magnificent pictures of the kingdom, and we know that Jesus was absolutely obsessed with proclaiming the kingdom. It is the good news. And of course, the kingdom is basically, well, seeing the world through the eyes of Jesus and then acting accordingly. And if we see the world through the eyes of Jesus and have the exact same fullness of his spirit, then we will act accordingly. And then the pictures that have been painted for us by the prophets, by Isaiah, they're going to come. And we, we, we know the pictures. We, we, we proclaim them every advent. The lion will lie down with the lamb. We're going we're gonna to turn our swords into plowshares. We're going to study war no more. That's the fullness of the kingdom. That's God's enterprise. And we're invited to be part of that enterprise. That's why Jesus calls his disciples to himself. And that's the why we're sending the IBVM sisters to, to Spain for their, 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 their chapter. We've got work to do, and we're part of that great enterprise. Now, these images, I am convinced, 
from our early childhood are planted deep inside of our unconscious. Jesus kept on talking about the kingdom being like it's, it's a buried treasure. What's it going to cost you? It's going to cost you everything. It's a fine pearl. You want it? You're going to have to sell everything you have in order to get this pearl of great price. Oh, but once it's planted, get out of the way. It may be small as a mustard seed, but it's going to grow into a bush where the birds of the air can come to nest, and all will be well. You got the picture? That's the picture. Put it, put it, it's, it's in us. It's not going to get out of us. But, but our problem is, our problem is that, that we want it now. Now. We live in an instant society. I'm old enough to remember when there was, when, when, when instant coffee was, was, was invented. And I thought, how wonderful. Now if we can just get instant algebra, I'll be a happy boy. And then we've got instant algebra. All I do is put a a question into a computer. The computer spouts out the answer. I've got instant information at my fingertips. I've got powers that kings and queens of ancient days would want. But no kingdom. It's not enough. What's going on here with this generation that wants it immediately? We don't understand what God seems to be doing. And I'm beginning to really believe that God plays a long game. A very, very, very long game. You know, the universe we know now, and we've just discovered it recently, is over 13 and a half billion years old. And we didn't show up until about a half a minute to midnight, about 30 seconds ago, maybe 100,000 years ago, human species shows up. You wonder what God was doing all the time before that, waiting for us to show. No, God was in the midst of this universe beginning to create and then redeem the universe to its original beauty and glory. And so, 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 well, we, we, we read the scriptures, you know, a thousand years to God is like a minute. And our, our own personal dance in this cosmos, our part in it, is less than a, a, a nanosecond. So, so if we're going to understand our place of what is expected of us, we, we need to get some, some larger perspective. We need to get out of our own little world and our own little concerns into the great cosmic concern of God and realize we're part of it. Is the kingdom coming? Absolutely. Wait for it. Wait for it. But don't just wait for it. Work for it. We've got work to do. You know, we are, we are one little cog in this great Mandela, this great wheel of fortune but we are absolutely indispensable. Every person in this room today has a gift that no one else has that is absolutely needed for the coming of the kingdom. And even our errors and mistakes are grist for the mill. Even when we fall and fail, that's part of the process. 
because it, is a, it really is a, a world in travail where we, where we make two steps forward and a half a step back and one step forward and a quarter step back and one little bit at a time, we are indispensable as a part of what is going on in God's great enterprise. Question is, and, and what God says to Habakkuk as he answers the question, as Sister Barb so beautifully read this morning, the vision still has its time. It presses on to fulfillment and will not disappoint. If it delays, wait for it. Wait for it. It will come. It will not be late. Now the big question for the disciples today is can they, can they deal with this? Do they have enough faith to dare to believe in the words of Jesus because we know that he is resolutely on his way in the Gospel of Luke to Jerusalem and what's going to go on in Jerusalem, how he's going to embrace all the hatred and ugliness of the world and give back love for hate and conquer and make impotent that which destroys life and that we are going to be part of that. Now, do we have enough faith for that? And Jesus says, of course you do. If you, if you have faith the size of that mustard seed, you say to the mulberry tree, uproot yourself and plant yourself into the sea. Do that. And, and he's also telling them that they have the power to do it. St. Paul tells Timothy today, stir into flame the gift of God that you have through the imposition of my hands. You've got it. Use it. You know, Faith, in this sense, is much more a verb than a noun. It's not something you have. It's something you do. You go into the fray of life, and you do fight the good fight, and you do confront the evil of the world, and you do speak truth to power. That's our holy work. That may be the little nub that we are, but it is absolutely indispensable. And, and, and as we're going to do it, are we going to see the results? Maybe. Maybe not. Moses led them up to the brink, did not get into the promised land himself. We only have and we are only called to dance our dance while we are here. What are we involved in? What is this enterprise? What are you called to do? What am I called to do? Nothing less than the redemption of the world. It's a whole lot bigger than I am. Life is not about me. I'm about life. And I'm part of that great mystery. I was baptized into that great mystery of dying and rising. It's not a little personal thing. And if I am willing to do it on the big level, then maybe it can be done on the personal level. Our job is to do our part, as he says at the end of the gospel, without whining. We are not saying the world, we are not, we are not saving the world. God is. We're just part of his enterprise. We are simply instruments. We simply do what we are called and commanded to do. We are not going to earn heaven. 
We are not going to get a merit badge. We don't need no stinking badges. <laughs> we need to do what we're called to do, and that is to proclaim and be the Christ in the world. Now, if we can do that in the big picture, if we can do it on the macro level, then I think we can do it on the micro level, on the level of your personal life, on the level of my personal life. What are we called to do? Have a faith that is manifested in action. We are to work for it. Trust in God and the fruits will come. They will not be late. Those of you who are regulars here know that everything I've ever learned, I, I learned from the old black matriarchs in, in Hopkins Park. They had wonderful wisdom sayings, and one of the wonderful wisdom sayings that they, they would all, often give is, you know, that God, like Habakkuk, God might not be there when you want him, but he's always on time. Always on time. You know, I don't believe that there is a prayer that is uttered, sincere or insincere, that is not heard. Sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is wait. You're not ready to receive it. You've still got too much ego in what you're seeking. And when that collapses, I will be able to hear and I will be able to answer your prayer. You need to put it in perspective. You are a little blip on this great enterprise of mine. Uh, and what helps me personally, and I know that the Wheaton Franciscans do, and I think most of us probably should do it, is to deal how short, is to face how short our life is. How short our life is. Uh, from the day that I retired, I've been working on the fact that my life is short. Father Ed Hayes, once a year, used to sleep in his coffin to remind him how short life is going to be. It sounds kind of morbid, but I really think it's, it's part of the planning of, and puts us in perspective of what we need to do and not get all caught up with all of the little idiosyncrasies of my itty-bitty macro life to keep the big picture in perspective. And then everything that I do, giving a glass of cold water in the name, is redemptive, makes a difference. And so I, I've been planning my funeral since I retired. I know that many of you do that as well. I've got the readings chosen and the music chosen and, and even my holy card chosen. And I, I want to show you my holy card that really helps me put my life in perspective because we don't know how long. We don't know how long. We may have a wonderful long life like Sister Mary Beth who we will be burying from this church this, this Friday or a very short life. Well, whatever it is, it's exactly what it's supposed to be. And so I wrote this on my card. My dear Lord, everything I, I ever needed to learn about you, I learned from the old black matriarchs of Hopkins Park. They taught me that, quote, God might not be there when you want him, but he's always on time, unquote. And all you need to do to live a full life is to, quote, let go and let God, unquote. Well, Lord, I'm ready to let go, and I trust 
you'll be on time.